Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad. I'm here joined by my two wonderful guests. Normally, I have Matt here and Alex here. Matt's not feeling well, and Alex is still uh, on his vacation. So I am joined by, for the second week in a row, Adrian. Adrian, how are you? Howdy. Doing fine. How about yourself? I'm so damn tired. <laughs> oh my, I know I said this last week, but oh my god, I'm tired. Um, well, before I go off on that tangent, I have another guest here. Um, one of the other admins here on the uh, MTG at Home Discord server. Tame, how are you? I'm great, Brad. How are you? Well, you know I'm tired. <laughs> we just went over that. Uh, but as always, we are the official podcast of the MTG at Home Discord server. Now, we all here play this wonderful game called Magic the Gathering. And our most favorite things about this game is the gathering aspect. So if you miss hanging out with people, talking magic, being able to kind of, you know, shoot the shit and talk about it and like while you're playing everything like that. Of course, I'll leave that out. And, uh, you know, hop in the description <laughs> down below and uh, uh, click. <laughs> I can't bleep it out now. That's great. Um, but yeah, go ahead and hop in the description down below. Click the link. Uh, we'll have it there. Hop in the server. Talk to myself. Talk to everyone else in there. Just have fun playing Paper Magic and enjoy the community of it. That's why we're here. It's why we play the game. Um, but yeah, this week uh, we're going to go over some spoilers again. Uh, we're going to kind of uh, have our little initial reactions to some of these. I haven't seen quite all of them. I've been trying to keep them at bay. I've seen most of them. Don't get me wrong. It's hard to resist that. But we have a few that I've kind of seen for the first time. Um but first, we kind of want to go over a little bit of the metagame with Pioneer. Um, of course, this is the Pioneer perspective, so we kind of have to talk about that a little bit. Last week, we didn't get a chance to um, looking at uh, the metagame because really it was just, hey, Wreck is here to stay. It's tied for first as far as the metagame mm -hmm. percentage go. Adrian, I love the deck. It's fun. It's fun to play. You know, I wouldn't be playing Wreck if Wizards just didn't ban Kethis. I'd still be playing Kethis. Kethis is great, which I can play it in Historic, but it's uh, it's not the same because Teferi's banned. But yeah, looking at the Pioneer metagame, we had a deck that popped up last week. We didn't get a chance to talk about it because it really started showing up more a little bit after we recorded the cast. But that's Rakdos Pyromancer. Now, this is a deck that's existed for quite a while in the format. It's nothing new. Um, the list is pretty much the same as it's always been. Uh, the difference here is just that, you know, it caught on. And it kind of, you know, people remembered that, hey, uh, maybe we should play this deck again. And, um, Tammy, we were actually talking about this uh, prior to the cast a little bit. And we were saying that, it actually might have been historic that had a reason that Rakdos Pyramids had popped up in Pioneer. Um, so you want to go into that a bit more? Why do you think historic had a big play in that? Yeah, sure. So one of the biggest things that I think helped Pioneer gain popularity was historic gaining popularity because of the upcoming Mythic Invitational, which is going to be in the historic format. So when you have many people, many streamers, many competitors constantly brewing for historic they often take inspiration from other formats so i guess one of them must have come across pioneers 
Rakdos Pyromancer. Now, Rakdos Pyromancer is really good for Historic because a lot of the cards that were, are in Pioneer that the de- make the deck possible also now exist in Historic with Alan Kett coming. So when you see a powerful deck like this pop in Historic and actually take the format by charge, people will start wondering how competitive is this in Pioneer? And so when that comes up, you'll see this deck popping up in challenges, leagues, preliminaries. And I think that's what really revitalized the deck. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I think that's really cool. And the biggest thing that that actually makes me excited for is because we're getting Pioneer Masters at the end of the year, probably in December um, would make the most sense. Maybe November. Either way, we're getting Pioneer Masters on Arena. So we're at least getting the first step to having, you know, Arena support Pioneer and be able to play it. Now, I feel like what's going on with Rakdos Pyromancer and how that, you know, popped up in Historic and, you know, like you said, they looked at Pioneer as for inspiration. They're like, oh, the majority of this list is legal in Historic because, you know, you know, Young, uh, young P is legal due to it being uh, from Jumpstart. And then, of course, the flip side of, you know, Pioneer being like, well, I guess Historic's playing it now. I guess we should try playing it again. Now, when we actually get Pioneer on Arena, that's exciting because now imagine how many people are going to start playing all these other decks and strategies in Pioneer just because they can now in a whole new forum and a new medium. So I think that's really exciting to see what other decks that you know we thought were long dead or completely new strategies that people didn't really think of or maybe there's a, a strategy that it was tried early on and we're like, yeah, that's just bad but we didn't consider a certain card or whatever and that changes the entire game. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm really excited for Pioneer on Arena. I've uh, I did unfortunately build Kethis in preparation for Pioneer being on Arena. Oh no, <laughs> I can't play it. So that's a lot of Mythic Wild cards in that deck too. I feel so bad. Adrian, are you just excited to finally? Because again, we we um we just had Amonkhet remastered, right? And they said this is not the last remaster set. So we can only assume that Kaladesh and Aether. Uh, Revolt end up being the next remaster set if they're just going to go backwards. I know you're excited to play some Palmer on uh, on Arena. I mean, I just Arena is so it's an enigma to me because I don't I don't want to think that they'll do a remastered set because aren't the sets already on Arena? Yes, uh, we saw it in the beta. So why wouldn't they just say, "All right, we're unlocking it," you know? Because then they can't sell packs the way that they want to. Yeah, but do people have any cards unlocked already from those? Maybe they could just no, they everyone's unlocked. They they already when they did when they took the um, when they took Arena out of uh, Alpha stage and went into Beta upon the release of Guilds of Ravnica, they wiped everyone's uh, everyone's uh, accounts. So you lost your entire collection. Yeah, so then they can just sell regular packs, right? Yes, but they don't want. I don't think they want to sell individually. Here's, you know, um, they don't want to just unlock Kaladesh in Aether Revolt. And again, I I agree with you. I'd rather have both of these on here because we're missing out on certain rares and stuff like that, and certain commons and uncommons that could see Pioneer uh, play. And Alex and I talked about this in the cast um, a few weeks ago. This exact topic of like missing out on certain cards. So I agree, and I would much rather have them release just the entire sets. But from their perspective, rather than release two packs and you have those two packs cannibalized from each other, because there's probably a few more playable cards from, like, let's say, um, what it was Aether that had uh, 
uh, Fatal Push in, right? Yes. Um, so I think Aether Revolt has a few more playable cards than Kaladesh itself, um, relevant to like Pioneer, for example. So then you end up cannibalizing your your sets. You have more people cracking Aether Revolt rather than cracking Kaladesh. So to eliminate that problem, you make a remaster set. You cut the fat off, uh, you know, quote unquote, the fat being these unplayable commons and uncommons um, and certain rares or whatever. Combine the two sets into one remaster set and you just have everyone buying those. Otherwise, you just create um, you fill up space in their their servers and stuff like that to to hold these other packs that people don't buy as often. Like, how often are people buying Dominaria packs, for example? Or, like, Ixalan packs? I'm sure those are just sitting there collecting dust, so to speak. Well, I know you were buying quite a few about a month ago. I, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I really wanted those Mox Ambers. <laughs> I, I, dude, I hated it. I opened literally, like, 30... No, I actually, I bought 30 packs at one point. I probably opened, at, at the end of the day, I opened roughly 50 packs and i send you this i sent you pictures and screenshots adrian every single time i opened a pack and i pulled a mythic which was roughly a quarter of the time i pulled a lot of mythics never once pulled a mox amber i pulled everything else in the set everything else in the set i pulled i have a place at a liar now oh whoop-de-doo cool oh come on i mean who needs mox ambers right (laughs) don't hurt me like that I want them back. I, dude, I will, I'll beat the table. I'll pound the table. I don't care. Kethis would have been fine in this format. It would have been fine. It is the most easily hated out and most interactable combo deck there is. And it would have existed perfectly fine. Wilderness Reclamation, like if I'm looking at the metagame right now, right? Let's see. Mono Black Aggro, uh, Mono Green Planeswalker, Reclamation, and Niv to Light. Those are all tough matchups. Um, because they can bring in the correct hate. Monogreen Planeswalkers is the most abysmal matchup for Kethis because Karn Static just shuts down Mox Amber. You lose your loop. You can't do it. Like, that alone sucks. Um, and look, it's a resilient deck, and it can function, and it, it can come out of hate and do well. I've won games. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I won a match where I got... Um, Necromanchid, turn two, them naming Kethis, and I still won through the combo with like Tashar and stuff. So like it's possible, but shows the deck's too resilient. Uh, yeah, clearly. I think a big part of it, like one of my favorite decks when I was playing before the bands was Mono White, and yeah. That's an example. It's I think it's even more than Kethis. It's even less focused on the combo. It's more of a mid-range tempo-ish build almost, and then you have a combo stuffed into it. Yep. But the deck still kind of almost died pretty much once the oh, combo it's dead. off. The, yeah. yeah, Sun Sun Gun being gone is is just it's gone. Um you you can't make that deck work. It was um I, I was of the opinion that mono white that deck without the combo is very bad. Like you're your beatdown plan is like whatever. It's okay. And that's pretty easy to stop um, and kind of fight against. It's just the fact that you could stumble into a combo and just win. That was where the deck was able to do stuff. And it was able to be more flexible with the sideboard options. And um, I like the version that ran Karn actually a lot. Um, 
But yeah, now that you can't do that, uh, you don't have Ballista to go with that combo. I just think that, that deck's bad. And we joked yeah. about it last week. White's bad. White's <laughs> a bad color. <laughs> like, a huge issue is you don't just lose the combo. You also lose one of your best matchups and the reason for the deck existing in Demir Inverter. Exactly. Because that's the reason why the deck exists. You, We may not have a mono-white devotion deck if Inverter wasn't a thing in Magic. We don't know. But when you lose your best matchup, as long as one of your biggest win conditions sometimes when you're on your back foot, there's no reason to play this deck over something like Rakdos Pyromancer, for example. Yeah. And you know what card had the biggest fall uh, because of these bans? Gideon of the Trials. Oh my god, like, yes. Why even play that card now? And I love that card. I think it's super cool, but like, it's, I mean, it, it dropped down to 10 bucks. it looks like. Which, I mean, is still more than what it was before it shot up. It was like four bucks, two bucks even. Um, but yeah, it's, there's no reason. I mean, you can, I guess, run it for Lotus combo, which is still a thing. Um, but let's take a look over at the, uh, the challenges that happened over the uh, previous weekend. So we had two challenges uh, for Pioneer on Moto. We had one on the 5th and the 6th. On the 5th, Esper Control took it down, uh, getting first place. Now, this is the Esper Control we've come to know and love uh, with Yorian, a bunch of enchantments, and your removal spells, uh, your Thought Seizes, Fatal Push, things like that. Um, and then on the 6th, we had Mono Black Vampires take down the tournament. Uh, one thing to keep in mind and one thing to note is that uh, both of these challenges, second place was Mono Black Aggro. Um, so Monoblock Aggro is certainly still very much prevalent. It is currently the fourth uh, highest played deck in the format. Um, it's still good. Still good. And uh, I think, uh, and of course, you look at the rest of the top eights for both those challenges, you see the usual suspects. You see uh, Jeskai Luka, Monogreen Planeswalkers, uh, Team Erek, uh, Niv to Light, Jun Sacrifice in the fifth one. Uh, double copies of Rakdos Pyromancer, Jeskai Luka again, Orzov Ors, Team Erek for the six. But there was a deck, uh, Demir Control got fifth place on the sixth. I think this is a cool deck. I just want to highlight it real quick before we start talking about uh, why we think the two decks that won the challenge did well. But yeah, this deck's pretty sweet. Um, it just runs three Torrential Gear Hulks um, and then 28 spells. Your Fatal Pushes, Ops, Sensor, some Heartless Act, uh, a couple of Negate, um, a One of Heroes Downfall, four Sinister, Sa Sinister Sabotage, uh, Hieroglyphic Illumination, Frass's Contempt even, Dig Through Time being a good card. It's even running Glimmer of Genius. For those of you who don't know what this card is, I don't blame you. Um, it's from Kaladesh. It's uh, four mana, three and a blue, instant speed, scry two, draw two cards, you get two energy. Uh, That's a throwback. Yeah, there's no energy in this deck. Besides when, we were, um, when we were talking about how underwhelming the new Jace was, I was going to compare it to, to Glimmer, but I was like, eh, people might not know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair comparison, though. Four mana, scry two, draw two, and get two energy, versus five mana, scry two, draw one, right? Yeah, um, but it leaves so. a body. Yeah. Well, um, the planeswalker body. I mean, then, I, 
I'm of the personal opinion that the new Jace is going to be quite good in competitive play, but uh, we'll talk about story. that in a second. Yeah. We'll we'll get to that in a second, and we can just tell you how wrong you are. Um, okay. <laughs> but then the one there's one card that stood out to me. Uh, it's running one consigned to oblivion. This is from Hour of Devastation. It's one of those split cards, or the aftermath cards. Uh, the top end consign is one in the blue instant speed. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. So petty theft from Brazen Borrower. Um, and then the other side is Oblivion uh, for the aftermath. Uh, target opponent discards two cards. So I thought that was a cute little one of. Um, I'm sure they're playing it much more for the consign option, but I feel like the Oblivion option comes up more often than you would think. And then, of course, you got to run it in any control build, at least uh, any kind of copies. I think four is the way to go. Shark Typhoon, awesome card. One of my favorite cards that's come out in the last few years. It's sweet. Sweet card, really cool. And you're just trying to get all these other spells that I just named uh, with Torrential Gear Hulk and uh, Make Your Opponent Cry is the idea. And Adrian, we played during the standard. I don't know if you played Tenmade during uh, uh, our Devastation or like, you know, like that, that standard around then with Torrential Gear Hulk and all the control builds were running around. Uh, but, uh, it was miserable. It was so it was bad. And then just reanimating the Gear Hulk with Scarab God, too? Yeah, and then we... This is before... And then we got Dominaria. And all these control decks are like, oh my god, we got the best Planeswalker to ever exist. I'm, I did not play Standard in that time. And I'm not going to lie, I am very happy I didn't. I've heard many reports and I've looked into it myself. Torrential Gear Hulk is not a card you should see in Standard. It's insane. It's good. It's good. Well, I mean, that cycle was pretty underwhelming, except for Gear Hulk, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and just having Approach of the Second Sun be yeah. a legitimate win con. Yeah. Dude, I love Approach. I love that card so much. Uh, now that we're not in standard, at least. <laughs> I hated playing against it. Because uh, I was playing uh, Red Deck Wins with Ramen Up Ruins and stuff like that. Um so yeah, of course, I hated Approach the Second Sun when I was playing that. Because it's like, oh, I just gained seven life. I'm like, well, I lose. Cool. But yeah, I think this this Demir deck is really cool. But going back to the winners of these uh, wonderful challenges, uh, we got Esper Control, taking down one of them. Um, now, Tammy, I know you had some thoughts as to why you thought the, uh, the deck did well um, in the same way that we had uh, Mono White with the Heliod combo and Ballista exist for the sake of Demir Inverter, you're saying that Esper Control is in the format for the for the same reason. Why is that? So I'll, I'm saying that I like I agree with that, Brad. Uh, we talked about this earlier too, but Esper Control, I would say, would not be a deck choice many people would make if Team of Reclamation didn't already exist. I mean, we all love Teferi Time Raveler, everyone's most favorite balanced card, but one aspect of that card, which was huge in both Standard and Historic, and now in Pioneer, I would say more so than ever, was the fact that it pretty much shuts down the Team of Reclamation player. Because the whole point of that deck is operating at instant speed on your opponent's turn, and you can't do that with this deck. That's why you'll see, like, I guarantee that any good Esper Control player 
in Pioneer would not run any less than four copies of Teferi Time Raveler. If you didn't see Team Reclamation, that choice wouldn't make sense because repeats just don't work as well with that deck. Like one one example is if you go to Modern. I don't I don't know how many of you are familiar with Modern, but if you look at Azorius Control List, you don't see four Teferi Time Raveler, even though that deck is also very good. I mean, that card is very good in Modern in any format, pretty much. But the reason why you don't see four of is that deck is because. While Team Reclamation does exist in Modern, it plays more at sorcery speed than its standard, historic, and pioneer kind of parts do. So it just shows, like, the Fairy Time Raveler is always going to be a strong card, but its popularity in particular will rise with how much you see of Wilderness Reclamation. And this is a huge part of that. Like, if you don't see uh, Wilderness Reclamation, there's no reason to run Esper Control over... For like any other deck that just doesn't need to be so control aspect. Because look at Rakdos Pyromancer. That card, that deck looks great. It wins games great. But when you put it up against something like Team Reclamation, it's a choice between running these cards or a Teferi that just shuts down the whole deck. So it was a pretty easy choice to make running Esper Control, I would say. Yeah, and it would feel really bad as the Rakdos Pyromancer player to just have the Rack player go, hey, Anger of the Gods, and <clears throat> that really sucks. Um, I mean, any of the reanimating decks, Pyromancer, uh, Mono Black, another one. Um, but yeah, I think, I definitely think Esper Control is a good option, um, and Azorius Control to an extent as well, um, because of Reclamation. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, the other reason I think Esper Control has kind of popped up now and we're seeing it be successful, um, even with some more top eight finishes as well. It's not like we're in the beginning of the format where control is, like, horrible. Because in a new format, it, it's really hard to be a control player because you don't know the fine-tuned numbers that you want to run for your lists to figure out, you know, what you're going to be able to bring in because you don't know what the metagame is going to be like. You have a maybe a, a slight idea, and you kind of go back to the drawing board and you're like, okay, I want this many pieces to be able to, you know, fight against mid-range kind of plays, this many pieces for aggro, and this many pieces for, you know, combo slash control. Uh, you want to have that nice balance of everything in your main deck and then have pretty easy, straightforward cuts when you come to your sideboard. It's hard to do that when you don't know what the metagame is going to really look like. But we're now at the point where the metagame for Pioneers kind of, you know, settled a bit. And yeah, we had Pyromancer kind of pop up, Reclamation pop up a little bit more. But these are decks that have existed in the format before, and they're definitely something that you can kind of be prepared and ready for. Uh, but otherwise, the last few weeks, or the last month really, since the ban, it's been pretty consistent for what we're seeing for the metagame. So now, Control's finally in a place where you can find to your numbers of your lists and know how to approach the entire format, and you can do well. In that regard. So I think that's one of the big reasons why Esper Control is back, uh, or I should say, uh, is performing well. It never really went anywhere. Uh, but I mean, having black, I think, is just why it's better than Azorius Control right now. Fatal Push, Thoughtseize, um, those are really strong cards. I mean, let's look at the top few decks, right? Wilderness Reclamation, Rectus Pyromancer, Monogram Planeswalkers, and Mono Black Aggro. Okay? 
Thoughtseize is amazing in Wreck matchups, and it's pretty good as well in the plane in the Mono Green Planeswalker matchup too. Um, granted, maybe a little bit less so than Wreck, obviously, because they are one of the best decks at top decking, referring to Mono Green. But then three out of the top four, Push is really good. Mono Black Aggro, Mono Green Planeswalkers for their early game dorks and things like that. And Pyromancer just kills everything in the deck. Um, and yeah, Pyromancer can get stuff back, but it feels good to push a Croxa, I'll tell you that. Um, so yeah, Esper is in a pretty good spot right now. Uh, looking at the other league, or I'm sorry, the other challenge, I should say. Mono Black Vampires takes it home. Um, you know, I don't really have a good reason as to why, why Mono Black Vampire suddenly uh, won this uh, challenge. I really don't. Uh, I think it's a good deck. Um, I don't. I think this is going to be like one of those once, like you know, under the sun kind of moment. Uh, it's just, it's just a good deck. I think it's one that can win at any given week, but it's not one that's going to stick around and consistently perform and make top eight finishes. Because you look at the other top decks, Wreck, Pyromancer, Planeswalkers, Mono Black Aggro, and even Niv Delight, and Esper Control as well. Oh, and crap, Jeskai Lucas here too. All of those decks I just mentioned all had top eight finishes, and they've all had top eight finishes in the last few weeks. Vampires have had like two or three that I've seen. This is the first time they've won. But, um, I mean, Adrian, I'll hand this off to you. Is there something I'm missing about Mono Black Vampires? Do you think it's a deck that can stick around? Or, I don't know. Um, I feel like Mono Black, just in general, is kind of um, just strong in its own, whether it be Vampires or the, in my opinion, better variant uh, just of just regular Mono Black. Um, the thing about Vampires is that Soren, he's just... Soren and... Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, is Bloodgast a vampire? Bloodgast is not legal in Pioneer. No, Bloodgast can't be the Pioneer. No, not not that one. Hold on, sorry. The one Thorn. that comes back when you gain three lives. Yep, so super smoke. Yeah. Yes, that is a vampire. And that's yeah. a really cool combo with uh Um so yeah, just that combo. I was I was getting mixed up on my names there. Um no worries. that combo with Soren just being able to you know, lightning helix every turn as a yep. plus one. Um, I think that makes it uniquely strong, stronger than other decks in some ways. So, mono black vampires. It's um, it's a different route than regular mono black, but yeah, I, uh, I like it. I think um, a huge part, a huge thing to remember is the reason why I think mono black vampires is doing well now is because of black. I think Thought Seizes and Fatal Pushes, uh, I would say after the combo era ended of Pioneer, Thought Seize got a bit weaker, but Fatal Push got a lot stronger because decks that you normally wouldn't see and wouldn't be possible underneath, like when you have Inverter and Lotus Combo B decks, is stuff like Rakdos Pyromancer. Like, I don't think this deck would be good against some of these other combo decks that used to exist. But... Like, look at Esper Control. Like, almost every single top-tier deck has black in it, except for Team Reclamation and Mono Green, which I think really points to the power of two cards in particular. In Mono Green, I would say 
Oath of Nyssa, and in Team Reclamation, it's obviously Wilderness Reclamation. I think that the only reason why you can have a deck without Black Exist in it is if you have another card that's also extremely broken. So that's why Mono Black is probably succeeding, because it has both Thoughtseize and Fatal Push. I think if you missed out on either one of them, even with the infinite, not infinite, but free Lightning Helix you get every turn, Sorn with the Monoblock Vampires just wouldn't be able to function because they wouldn't be able to keep up even as an aggro deck. So that's probably a huge factor in the Pioneer metagame. And I would say Fatal Pushes and Thought Seizes are what are what going to dictate future Pioneer decks as well. Yeah. Uh, I I actually played Monoblock Vampires for a little bit. Um, I, went, I ran through a bunch of leagues on Moto with it. I think the deck's really fun to play. You can lean into the aggro plan a little bit if you need to. You can also go more into the mid-range, um, just kind of, you know, grind them out. Uh, the deck's really good, and again, I think it's a really strong deck. I just don't see it existing in this top five or six decks of Pioneer in that kind of regard. It's not going to be like the other decks that I mentioned popping up with a top eight finish every week. Um, it's just kind of like one that might pop up here and there. Uh, but, you know, real quick, though, can we just talk about how people wanted Thoughtseize banned? Like, there, that was actually a thing that people were t- discussing for Pioneer, that Thoughtseize was too strong for the format. I cannot imagine the format without, without this card. Like, that's, it's, that's just absurd to me. Yeah, like, that's pretty surprising, I would say. I mean... I think before, I guess you could see why you would want to be banned. But the issue with banning Thoughtseize is that this is one of the reasons why many people actually play Pioneer. It's because, first off, if you want to look at uh, budget reasons, you already have an expensive card. And now your super expensive card functions in both Modern and Pioneer. That's one reason. In addition to that, it's just that Thoughtseize helps police other decks i think it's a great card because it makes sure that you can't ever have a deck that's all in on you just having one card and then you win with it like for example if reclamation decks couldn't uh protect themselves against thought seizes they wouldn't exist so it's not like thought seize shuts down branches of decks you don't see just kai luka decks dying because they're getting thought seize they lose because of other reasons so it just shows that Thoughtseize is a really good policeman in the format and makes sure that you don't just instantly lose to a, a Wilderness Wreck player who just mulls to Oblivion until he gets a wreck in an instant. I think a really good example to showcase how important Thoughtseize is, is like for a format, look at Historic. The Historic metagame prior to Thoughtseize coming out with Amiket Remastered Mono Red Goblins were the top deck by a mile. It wasn't even close. They're still the third most played deck in the format. Since then, the top deck has become Sultai Midrange. Getting access, and of course, Rakdos has also popped up as well, like the, the Pyromancer that we were talking about earlier. Um, getting access to Thoughtseize is so important to keep other decks honest. Because Mono Red Goblins, I mean, without any interaction, they just go off, right? You go into your Skirk Prospector, um, you just start playing your your smaller stuff, like Wily Goblin to get your treasure um, and everything like that, and then you start sacking your goblins. 
go on to uh, Muxus, make a big board. Uh, hopefully you get the haste enabler with, um, uh, what's the one? Uh, Cranko makes the uh, uh, tokens. And then tap Cranko, make a bunch of goblins, sack all those, cast another Muxus, keep going through that loop over and over again until you have this insane board. And then you win. Having Thoughtseize now allows you to pick their hand apart and kind of keep them honest and keep them more on pace with what you're doing. And they can't just pull ahead so easily. Prior to that, we saw what a format, like a, a you know a non-rotating format looks like without Thoughtseize, and it's not pretty. It's really not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just glad Pioneer's not Historic. Oh my god. I... I I mean, historic's fine for what it is, but I, th- I just think it's a goofy format. It, it's I, I would much rather play that than standard right now. Um, I don't know how. You, actually, Adrian, let me ask you this: You play a pretty equal version between Pioneer and Standard. Um, do you like Standard more right now than Historic? Standard versus Historic? Yeah. Uh, honestly, I don't really play Historic. I'm, I've kind of. Um, the way it was introduced kind of gave me a, um, a bad taste in my mouth about Historic, so I haven't tried it yet, but man, this standard meta has got me wanting to try it, and that's saying something. I, I don't really, I think standards, um, I mean, the bands definitely help things, but I think the format is just kind of a, a, a little stale. It, it gets that way right before a new set comes out, you know, where you're just yeah. kind of waiting for the new set and and then it just kind of seems like everything's boring now just give me the new set i yeah i understand that um i just don't like standard right now i haven't liked standard in a while like i just it it, it drains me it makes me not want to play magic so i'm thankful it, that it mean, exists the meta game is like decently diverse honestly like i'm, I'm looking at recent events and it's like Mono Red Aggro is topping, then Teamer Adventures, then Soul Time Ramp, and Mono Green's out there. And so it doesn't seem like the meta's even... Okay, actually, looking at it now, it looks like Soul Time Ramp has 25% of the meta, which might be a little yeah. unhealthy. Yeah. But still, um, it's not as stale as it was when Reclamation was just running rampant. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's in as bad of a spot as it can be made out to be but I'm just not having that much fun with it at the moment. Well, let's go ahead and move to a happier place away from the horrible wasteland that is standard. We have Zendikar coming out pretty soon, and we, at this point, have just about the entire set released. We're recording on a Wednesday. Um, Actually, the set, spoilers ended today, right? We should have the entire set now. Am I, is that correct? Am I looking? I believe so. Yeah, we got, uh, well, not quite. We're missing a handful of cards. Just some commons and uncommons. Oh, we're we missing the common dump? Yeah, we're missing that. Yeah, we've got most of the meaningful cards. We, we got the important stuff. So let's go ahead and go over some spoilers that we weren't able to kind of talk about last week. Um, but first... Teme, you weren't here last week. You didn't get a chance to talk about some of these cards with us. You mentioned Jace Mirror Mage earlier. 
why do you think it's going to be constructed playable? And not just constructed playable, you say it's going to be good and constructed and really powerful. Why? Okay, so first off, I'm not going to say that this is going to be the new Teferi. Like, no, it's not going to be the next Teferi Time Raveler or something like that. I think that people don't give it enough credit because it's the same thing. Like, it's a kicker cost. It's not like you have to pay only the three mana part or you only have to pay the five mana part. I think the fact that it has a kicker means that it's extremely flexible. And I think that control decks would love something that flexible. Like you see uh, Narset. There's the reason why Narset isn't played is because uh, if you have Narset and then you have it against some random aggro player, it's not going to be good. But if you have it, and you also, but if you have it in against like another control deck, fine, it can work. But the thing about this new Teferi is that not Teferi, Jace. <laughs> the thing about this new Jace is that it works against a variety of decks. It's gonna have a place against. Uh, it's gonna have a place against aggro decks because it helps you filter. It's gonna have a deck against control decks. Uh, it's gonna have a place against control decks. A place against mid range decks. It's flexible. Additionally, there's also a lot of potential for um, combos with it, or I don't know if you can call them combos, but just synergistic cards. Like, for example, I think there's a combo with... I forgot what it's called, but there's there's a new card from Standard 2021 where you have... where it's a replacement effect for drawing cards. Like, if you would draw a card, you would draw two instead. That replacement effect actually rep- replaces Jace's... Uh, draw ability and when you replace that draw ability it means that the jace doesn't lose loyalty from drawing cards so it's like a ability that says zero like change don't change jace's loyalty but just draw two cards every turn and then if you have two jaces out that's drawing four cards i think that that itself could have a place in constructed formats just because the ability to draw two cards or draw four cards is really powerful especially in like pioneer for example if you look at pioneer the issue many decks have for being viable is the fact that they have to fight through team reclamations advantage card advantage that accumulates which is a ton it's extremely difficult to fight through that so more often than not you either have to stop them from resolving their spells or you have to go under them you can't try to fight team reclamation that's own game because it does it best i think this new jace can help control decks do that and that's just in like pioneer i'm not even looking at the other formats like if you want to count commander that's not a huge focus but commander the paying the five mana is trivial in commander and the accumulated card advantage that can give you is extremely helpful and if people spend a removal spell on it you're fine because you get your value from that jace almost immediately so i think that jace is not it's not going to be as amazing as Teferi Time Raveler. Maybe not even as good as Narset. But I wouldn't say it's unplayable or it's just useless. Okay. Um, Teferi's Ageless Insight was the card you were thinking of from M21. Yes. Um, yes. It is a four mana enchantment. Well, legendary enchantment. Two and two blue. If you would draw a card except the first one, you draw in each of your draw steps. Draw two cards instead. 
Um, so, I mean, if we're assuming that you're playing Teferi's Aegis Insight on turn four, and then turn five, you kick Jace and go into that regard, um, then yeah, what you're saying I think works fine. Um, is Jace going to stick around if you play him turn three, not kicked, play Insight turn four to you know, then activate Jace's zero ability. Um, that's hard to say. He doesn't protect himself. Sure, he goes up to five loyalty on turn three. But that's definitely, I mean, that's within fry range. Um, that's uh, certainly more than possible if you're going as an aggro deck to be able to, you know, just beat it down and kill it um, once their turn three comes around or their turn four if you're on the draw. Um, so... I don't know how much that can work. And to looking at Teferi Aegis uh, Insight, I mean, having to play that card feels kind of bad. I don't think it's particularly that great. I mean, it's a powerful effect. It's just, what deck wants to play it? Because now you have to build an entire deck around this Jace uh, and Teferi's Aegis Insight combo, so to speak, um, to want to get that payoff correct. It feels weird. Um, and it feels tough in that regard. I just think, yeah, it's flexible. You're right. And you have that ability to kind of go into it two different ways. But at the end of the day, I just think I'd rather play, like, let's compare it for, for the Planeswalkers, right? It's either a three drop or a five drop. I'd rather play Narset on the three drop. I'd rather play Teferi Time Raveler on the three drop. On the five drop, I'd rather play Hero of Dominaria. If I'm in the colors, I'd rather play like the five drop Ashiok from Theros. Honestly, I'd actually rather play uh, Liliana from Amonkhet as a five drop than Jace. Um, I just don't think it's quite good enough. Like, I don't think it snuffs uh, being playable. Um, but I don't know. Adrian, have you changed your opinion on Jace since last week? I most certainly have not. I still think he's just kind of a, a three cost. Scry two, you have a five mana or a five loyalty planeswalker that yeah, he can he can set up your draws, sure. You can keep getting that scry two. Or it's a three cost draw card, and if you're a control deck, you probably have cards that are higher than his loyalty. You have cards that are lower than his loyalty in your deck, so that's kind of a toss-up. And kicking him for five cost, it's like a scry two with him, draw two with a copy. I'd, I I just uh well I mean it would still actually just be draw one with the copy because remember it's just draw uh, a card. yeah so in that case I would just be running a draw spell like Chemister's Insight or one of or the other of I mean like I think I think the issue is that like with the reason why it's being undervalued is because it looks like a three mana scry two at face value but let's say I play for three mana right and then my opponent uh, fries it, okay? Gone, my Teferi, not Teferi, Jace is gone. But the thing is that you would actually be fine with the Jace being gone because it's you spent one mana, you have a one mana uh, tempo loss compared to their two mana, but against an aggro deck that would ever run fry, uh, it's still good because you got your scry two out of it. Maybe you can find the board clear you're looking for. Additionally, I would say that this card is very good for a control deck's game one. 
I would say that if a control deck, let's say it ran um, this card, this Jace would probably be boarded out in almost every matchup. I think that this card is great because it's it's so flexible towards a variety of decks. Like if you have Narset, fine, Narset's stronger, but it's only stronger against some decks. Teferi's stronger. Teferi's only stronger against some decks. Teferi, I'm, I'm talking about Hero Dominaria here because Teferi Time Raveler, you should just run and control decks in Pioneer. Run it. It doesn't matter what deck you're playing against. That's definitely a better card. Like, I would never say cut to Fairy Time Ravelers, add this Jason. But the thing is, in game one, you don't know what deck you're, face, you're running up against. Or, you, I mean, you don't, like, you're not allowed to sideboard in, at least. And so this card is great because it gives you a really medium approach to any deck you play against. And you're never going to not gain value from it. Your value might be a lot lower than uh, Narset's value of finding you a card or shutting down your opponent's draws its medium value is towards the whole field. It's not just towards one side of the field. And I think if you, especially in pioneer, cause the meta is looking a lot more diverse than it used to. If you, if you're expecting to sometimes face the range of mono black vampires. And on the other side, you see team reclamation or Esper control. I think a medium planeswalker is what pioneer needs. And the medium planeswalker that also has a very good top end, possibly, while also having a medium three-cost ability. You see, I just, I just find myself thinking that even against aggro decks, I personally like Narset better, just because she can dig and get you card advantage immediately. Um, I, do, I do like the argument that this Jace ticks up and can keep scrying, whereas Narset just ticks down twice. And then what's that static ability going to do against... Um, these aggro decks, you know, like, oh, well, they can't draw cards. Yeah, um, it stops, like, light up the stage and stuff like that because it exiles it. And all right. So in that in that sense, I still kind of give it a coin flip. I, I think I still, personally, I probably still take Narset just because she can dig two or, or dig four and then get you that card immediately. And... Um, and you're digging four instead of just scrying two and then waiting to draw into it. No, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I mean, I, I still think Narset's better. Um, I, again, I, I think Jace can be flexible. Um, at the end of the day, we just kind of have to wait and see what happens. And uh, once this set goes live, we'll see uh, if Jace actually ends up, um, you know, pulling it out. I think it's definitely a difficult Planeswalker to evaluate because it's the first one with, I'm not sure if it's the first one actually, but it's one of the more recent ones with a kicker ability, so it's kind of difficult yeah. to decide. And it's super interesting that it has kicker. Um, but uh, but Tammy, I know you uh, have a modern tournament to attend to tonight. Uh, what are you playing? I'm actually going to play the fairest and most reasonable decks of all time, Simic Effect. Oh, you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I got excited. I was like, oh my god, he's playing John. Uh, no, Man. let's hope I don't see any Jund. I hope you see nothing but Jund for this tournament because you're playing Infect. Um, but yeah, uh, good luck through your tournament, Tanmay. Uh, it was wonderful to have you on. And uh, yeah, good luck. Thanks, Brad. Uh, goodbye, Adrian. Have a nice day podcast. Let's hope you guys come around to seeing the powers of Jace, but we'll see. <laughs> good to see you. Bye, everyone.
All right. So, Adrian, we got some other spoilers to kind of dig into. And, you certainly uh, do. Uh, at least it's not Jace. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. Do you think Jace is going to be evergreen? I think he's just going to pop up in every set now? It, I We talked about this when he was spoiled. I said, why the hell is he here? I don't <laughs> want him here. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Let me... So, over the last few years of Planeswalkers, who do you want to see, you know, come back in a new set? Like, what Planeswalker are you crossing your fingers every time a set comes out and you're like, please have this one in it? My gut says Gideon, and I know that's an unpopular... He's dead. (laughs) I want Ghost Gideon, just like, you know, Spirit Ugin. I want Spirit Gideon to come back. He makes spirits. Um, No, I'll... Let me think about that, and I'll have you an answer. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go into some spoilers. Um, so we had a, a obviously we had a lot happen since then, uh, since last week. Um, we did end off on Amaria's call, which is part of this Boltland uh, Mythic cycle. Um, remember, Amaria's call is the four, uh, the four and three white, uh, create two four four white angel warrior tokens with flying. Uh, non-angel creatures you control gain indestructible until the end of your turn. And the other side, it's part of that modal, you know, flip card whatevers, uh, where it's uh, comes in tapped unless you pay three life. So basically, it's a bolt land. Um, everyone knows how I feel about this card. I think it's a bulk mythic. I've had so many arguments with people about this. Because, again, the argument with all this entire cycle, which we'll get into the other ones in a second, they replace a land slot in your deck. And I agree. That's really strong. And I'll have a little bit of a spoiler. It's the only one I'm going to give out for uh, the next cast. But when Alex gets back, we are going to be going over our top 10 uh, cards for the Pioneer format from Zenikar. This cycle is in my top 10. It is going to make a change and make a difference. Um, with that being said, though, I think Amiria's Call is just such an awkward thing. If it flat out said... Creatures you control gain indestructible until your next turn, and it made those two angels indestructible. This is the easiest, like one of the easiest control finishers to have, right? Oh yeah, um, I just realized it doesn't make those two angels that come in indestructible. Yeah, it's non-angels. Oh, that's weird. So it's awkward to have an. It's weird to have in a control deck because it's a cool finisher. Two four four angels is pretty nice, but. They don't get protected. They just get fatal pushed if you're going into like mono black aggro or whatever. Um, and then in the deck that I think they this would be the best in is some kind of aggro shell. And yeah, I get it. It doesn't replace a spell slot and replaces a land slot. But seven mana at the end of the day is still a lot of mana to get to in the deck that this fits the most in, which is go wide, make a lot of creatures, make these angels. You're they're indestructible. Swing in and go from there. And even then, it's just, I don't think it's good enough. You should, as an, as an aggro deck, you should have won by this turn when you're able to play this. Uh, you shouldn't even be playing this. Um, and it doesn't give your creatures vig- uh, vigilance. So, like, if you're at the point in the game where you're casting this spell, are you leaving your creatures back? Because, like, let's say you're, you both, both you and your opponent have an established board. And you swing in after casting this. And they block whatever to keep them. Yeah, you, you keep your stuff alive. But how likely is it that on the swing back from your opponent the next turn, you die? 
Like, do you just right. cast this and sit back and protect yourself? And pretty much you just made two angels for seven mana, and, like, I guess you got a free way to block? I, I, I just think it's not quite good enough. Um, maybe I'll be wrong. I, I'm just, I'm holding my ground on the white one. Amiria's Call is not good enough. Yeah, I don't... I don't for seven mana, um, there's a lot more beneficial things you can be playing. Yeah. Uh, so let's go through the other ones. We have one for all the colors. Um, we have the blue one. Seagate Restoration. Four and three blue, so again, seven mana, uh, which is the theme for all of them, except for the black and the red one. We'll get to those. Draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand plus one. You have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. And it's sorcery speed. And of course, the other side is it's a land, makes taps for blue mana, uh, comes in tapped unless you pay three life. I, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's a good card. Um, I think, I mean, it, the, the floor is awful, right? Where right. Seven mana, draw two is the floor. Um, actually, no. Seven mana, draw one is the floor. Because you have no cards in hand. You cast that, you have zero cards plus one. That's one card, right? So that's, ooh, that feels so bad, right? Um, but if you have, let's say, four or five cards in hand, that's, that's, a, that's good. It's a good card. Yeah, so, I, um, it seems like this goes more in like a combo shell um, than like a control shell. Because it's sorcery, control doesn't really want to spend their seven mana and be like tapped out, you know, unless it's something beneficial like approach of the second sun, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, so, is it worth leaving your shields down for this? It's very situational. That's why I like how it's a bolt land as well yep. on the other side. So, you might want to run two or three of it, maybe. Um, but I can definitely see this a lot seeing more play in um, something that combos out and just wants to, you know, um, I know shades or, or visions of Lotus Breach are popping into my head and I want to get them out as quickly as possible. <laughs> but, uh, I, I had the same thought, Adrian. Um, Lotus Field it was my initial thought when you said combo. And I'm trying to think about it right now. And... It would certainly be strong, but what do you cut? Four of the pages is great. Hit of strings is great. The reason those two cards are so good in the deck is because they untap your lands, specifically your your Lotus Breach. Or I'm sorry, no, your Lotus Breach. Breach is banned. Gotta gotta get the PTSD out of me. Good God, <laughs> um, Lotus Field. So this. This kind of can be hard to go with the combo because you are making a lot of mana. And there is a point where you're making infinite mana when you do your combo correctly. Um, but at that point, you're going into Fae of Wishes and just grabbing Expansion Explosion and being like, okay, I kill you, or, or something like that. Um, so I don't think this can work there. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, the deck did run Discontinuity for a hot minute, so that was kind of cool. We haven't seen that played in Pioneer since, uh, but I don't know. But hey, let's move on to the next one. Um, I'm just going to go straight to the green one. I'm going to skip the red and black one for now because the green one is the last one that's the straight up seven mana one. Right. So, uh, Turn Timbers Symbiosis. Four and three green. 
uh, sorcery speed, and all of these are sorcery, by the way. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield. If that card has converted mana cost three or less, it enters with three additional plus one plus one counters on it. Put the rest of, uh, rest of the cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. And of course, tap for green uh, comes in untapped unless you pay three life on the other side. Um, yeah, this is great. This is a great card. Um, I think it's awesome. I think there are going to be some, some decks that are going to want to abuse this. Um, I mean, it, it's not Pioneer, but you know, this, this goes in Amulet Titan for sure in Modern. Uh, for Pioneer, I don't have a deck on the top of my head that this goes into. Uh, I mean, Adrian, can you think of anything that this is for sure going into besides just like straight up like a mono green ramp? No, not really. Um, it it seems like it goes into mono green, or at least the ones that have a little bit of ramp. Because uh, I know we see mono green yeah. variants that just have, you know, Pelt Collector and they, they just try to curve out. Um, but, yeah, like... I'm not sure if I see it in mono green walkers either, which would be the best shell for it because of the, how much ramp, but it's digging for a creature card. So Yeah, what are you going to do? Slam down a Jade Light Ranger on the board? I mean, you could slam down Voracious Hydra and it'll come in with three additional counters because it it's an X cost. So it would come in as a 3-4 as a, a and you could double or fight something that might be good enough but it doesn't feel like it's what this card should be doing it feels underwhelming. right so i think just because it's still a bolt land yeah i think mono green shells that just have a little bit of ramp will play it um great yeah. on late game just value play it late game and, and go to town find your cards i just think this feels like a card that like should win you. I mean, all these cards should feel like they they should win you the game when they when you're they're played right for seven mana. Um, the green one especially because like you gotta make sure that the creature you grab is good enough. Uh, but you could so that's why I'm kind of going back to like a traditional mono green ramp deck that isn't super pre uh, prevalent in Pioneer at the moment. I'm talking like they play four Ugin and Spear Dragon. They play like Ulamog, uh, Kozilek. Um, they might play like an Emrakul or something like that. So in a deck like that, just being able to slam down one of those big Odrazi seems pretty cool. You lose out on the cast trigger for things like Emrakul or Ulamog. Um, but at the end of the day, it's uh, Ulamog's an indestructible, what, 10 10? Or whatever that still mills right. half the library um, on attack. That's that that could be good enough. So you can like I can see this being played in, you know maybe um, Aetherworks Marvel. You know, oh yeah, as another cheat, um, stuff like that. Because I keep forgetting it's still a bolt land. So yes. at the very worst. You take three damage for a land when you have this. And again, we have to remember this this is free in a lot of the decks because it's not taking a spell slot. All these cards are, re are replacing a land slot. You're thinking of these as lands first when you're going to your deck building that have the option of being these super bomby type of spells. That's why these are good. Um, regardless of how we feel about the individual effects on their own, the fact that they just 
they're like companion in a way, right? Like not as broken, obviously, but it, it has that free component. Like the reason cam- uh, companions were so amazing before the uh, errata, it's just a free eighth card in your hand. This is just a free extra spell in your deck because it's a land. That's why these are great. Just have to make sure that your uh, sleeves are opaque. <laughs> I think you're going to end up using the um, the. They have these custom tokens. They're they're blank, basically, just meant for these flip things or the flip oh, lands. Oh yeah, I forgot the little token cards. Yeah, so they're blank. You write it in with a pen or a sharpie, and then you'll play that. Like just how um, you did that for uh, for like the flip stuff from like Shadows of Innistrad and like uh, Origins and things. Yeah, that too. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, you played that instead of your. Um... <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about Excel. <laughs> I I just forget it exists all the time. Like you you look at some of the big like you know more powerful cards from that set. Um. And you're still, like, underwhelmed. Like, Carnage Tyrant is, like, what I think about when I think of Ixalan. It doesn't see any play in Pioneer. I think that's a damn shame, and it should see some play. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's your best card. Like, what else has Ixalan had to offer? Uh, let's see, though. We There's got... Yeah, but it's not good enough for the most part anymore, right? Like, that used... That was a that was a staple in control decks like in modern, right? When it came out, now you just don't have the room to run it. It's too slow. You'd rather just play Narset that does what the flip side of it does without all the hard work. Um, right. All right, so let's go to the red one. Shatter Skull Smashing. <laughs> it's just yeah, I imagine uh, Nigel from the Smashers. <laughs> oh, please, someone alter that for me. I would pay good money for a scatter uh, scatter skull smashing with Nigel on the artwork. Um, Where do you put him in there? Just some mountains. A, a good artist will make it work, Adrian. I don't have <laughs> I don't have the I don't have the answer for you. Um, so scatter, <laughs> I can't say it. Scatter skull smashing. Uh, X and two red. Um, Scatter Skull Smashing deals X damage divided as you choose among up to two target creatures and or planeswalkers. If X is six or more, it deals twice X damage divided as you choose among them instead. It doesn't go face. That's my first thought. But I mean, good, right? Like, we don't want that to go face. The, the se- okay, if this was an instant speed, this is for sure going in... Um, well, it, it wouldn't go in Reclamation because it doesn't hit face. I don't know. It, it <laughs> seems... It's good. Um, six mana is... Uh, if X is six, that's eight mana total. Um, that's not crazy. I um, mean, it, it's only two red rather than three, like the other ones. Um, the fact that it only goes among two target creatures and or planeswalkers. So, Adrian, on the ruling of this, when it says and or... Does that mean you can split between like one planeswalker, one creature, and, or like just two creatures, two planeswalkers, that kind of thing? Or you, you can't do two creatures, two planeswalkers, right? Right. Yeah. You, you have two targets. Okay. So, you know, it's. This reminds me of a, what? Fight with Fire, right? So I'm thinking of. Um. The one that you uh, was played played in standard, run Dominaria and stuff. Right. About the kicker. 
Yeah, yeah, or it's five damage, and then just among all these other things. Then it jumps to ten with, with kicker, right? Uh, so it gives me that kind of vibe. I just, I don't know. I don't think it's good enough for all the decks. Like, it doesn't go face. If X could let you go face, like, if it said X is six or more, it deals X or twice X damage divided um, among any targets instead, that'd be much better. Because um, then you could just go, okay, you know, X equals, you know, seven. I deal 14 to your face. And, like, I get as far as balancing is concerned, they, they might be hesitant to print cards like this that can hit face and do direct damage. But I don't think that's too broken by any means. I mean, I could be completely... I mean, yeah, I'm thinking about how Explosion is the finisher for Wreck right now. Yeah, but Explosion's an instant that'll let you do that. If you keep this at sorcery speed, it, it automatically takes it out of the equation unless you're playing a version of Wreck that plays Teferi which most don't because then you have to go four color to be able to play explosion for this card. Um, which, I mean, we've seen four color variants of wreck before we saw it in standard, but like, why do that when you can just play a better streamlined version? Uh, I don't know. I, I just think, I mean, do you see this doing anything? Like, I mean, again, it's uh, same things before other side as a land that enters tapped unless you play uh, three life. I mean, that's still good. Um, this is probably this feels like the weakest of the bunch. Um, like Amiria's call at least puts down two bodies, and like in the situations that I've explained before, and why I think it's not that great, and it's just you know it's close to being good, but not quite there. It still does something right. Where this just killing two planeswalkers or two creatures or one planeswalker and one creature, that feels really underwhelming for the amount of mana you have to spend for that, right? It's minimum six to go doubling everything. So, I don't know. Feels weird. Feels bad. Yeah, I don't see Mono Red wanting it because it doesn't go face. Uh, I can maybe see it in, like, Grixis control variants. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm with you on... We probably won't see it too much. Um, The last one, which... <sighs> might i've seen people say that they think it's the best one of the cycle uh we'll see how, how you feel adrian agadim's awakening a uh, x and three black sorcerer speed return from your graveyard to the battlefield any number of target creature cards that have a different converted mana cost x or less and of course the other side land that comes tapped, or you pay three make black mana um this is somewhat worse gruesome menagerie if we're going for straight up that you know three two one yep. mana cost um it's one more mana for that exact you know thing how likely are you this x equals four i don't think it's any better than gruesome menagerie in gruesome gruesome menagerie saw hardly any play and it's standard so uh, I mean, it's, and it's still legal now in standard. I just, this one feels underwhelming to me. Like, I've seen people say they think it's the best one of the cycle, and they think it's really good. Um, I know Alex uh, from the cast has also said he thinks it's really good. I don't, I see the power, and like, I get it. You, six mana total, three, uh, three for X, 
and it is gruesome and Azra, you get three creatures back and that's good in plenty of decks that's good in mono black um that's uh i think it's i think it's best in mono black when you hit four and you're you're paying seven total um because then you can get rankle back or like spawn of mayhem um wait do they even run a three drop i don't think they do it's just the one drops, right? It's Night at the Ebon Legion, Dread Wanderer. Um, Some of them run Haunting Nightmare. The four or five gives a gives a death touch counter to a thing. Yeah, but those ones aren't. That's like, that's not part of the, the typical list. Then that, that one's like really. I, mean, I think it's not quite good enough for the format. I mean, outside of that, because again, it just runs all the one drops. It runs Scrappy Scrounger at two drop. So you definitely have your four, two, and ones filled up. Um, and then the Bloodsoak Champion too at the one drop. Yeah, they don't they don't run any uh, any three drops. I mean, they run Murder's Rider. That's your three drop, but that's your kill spell. And Murder's Rider never goes to your graveyard, like unless it's discard off the off a of rankle, right? Because it goes to the bottom of the library when it dies. So, I mean, you have to you have to change your, but you don't want to change your building at that point. I don't know. It just again, I see the power. Same thing with all of these. I see the power of them. They're just I mean, maybe I'm overlooking the fact that the you know that they fill a land slot it makes them so much better than how I'm evaluating them. But even with that in mind, and they're technically quote unquote free slots in your in your deck, I mean I just don't. I don't see it that much. I mean, I'd rather just play some other cards. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I mean, I've been wrong before. We know that. So, do do you see this going in any deck right now? I mean, this, a lot of these cards feel like they have to be built around. I don't think there's that many decks you can just slot these in. Mono black might like it, just because it's flexibility, because yeah. it, it's a bolt land. So why not run it? I can I can see it definitely going into mono black. Um, I mean, yeah, if you cast four mana uh, or four for X on it and do a seven mana drop on it, um, that's certainly strong. You you will get back uh, a spawn of mayhem or a rankle. Um, the likelihood you get back a murder rider too is not very strong, but you know it's possible, and they might change their deck up to make it fit that way to have a different three drop to account for that. Uh, but then you get back a Scrap Heap Scrounger, um, and then one of your 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 one drops, probably Night of the Evan Legion, because um, that has the most potential to do enough on board. Um, plus, I mean, you you actually you you definitely bring back Night um, regardless, because that's the that's the only one drop you have that doesn't have recursiveness. Dread Wander and Bloodsoak can bring themselves back. Um, so yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think that's probably the the, the best deck it goes into. Uh, you you cut four swamps, you go down to eleven swamps, you play four of these, and more often than not, you're probably not casting these from game to game. You're most likely playing the land. Uh, but the the one out of ten games that you actually, you know, cast this card to help you win the game, that's I guess that's worth it, right? To have in the deck, unless the three life ends up being such a hindrance in the meadow where it's like, oh my god, I can't lose all this life anymore. Uh, but I doubt that's going to happen. 
So that's the that's the bolt cycle. I mean, overall, again, I think they're good. I think they're all strong. Um, but I think people, I honestly think people are overvaluing the fact that they take a landslot. Again, that's super strong. That's a re- that's a game changer. That's that's a big difference in deck building, all that. Um, but I think people are overvaluing these a teeny tiny bit. I still think they're good enough to to see play, certainly. But I don't think they're broken or crazy by any means, like other people do. Uh, let's go on to another one. Uh, Scourge of the Skyclaves. This is very unique. The most unique out of the mythics, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one in a black. It is a creature demon. I don't know why I said the creature part. <laughs> I was expecting it to be legendary, I guess. Really um, a creature? <laughs> it's a demon. It uh, Its power and toughness is star star, and it has a kicker of five, four, and a black. When you cast this spell... If it was kicked, each player loses half of their life rounded up. Scourge of the Skyclave's power and toughness are each equal to 20 minus the highest life total among players. So it's a reverse uh, Grix, uh, or Grix's, it's a reverse Death Shadow. Um, but it accounts for everyone's life total, um, or the highest life total among everyone. It's certainly unique you're right about that adrian it's really cool um i've seen people say that they can find homes for it find some decks for it i think the fact that it checks both players life total makes it tough um maybe it can go into a uh like an orzov life gain deck because you want to have a lot of life right because it's um wait or no no (laughs) you you want to i'm Good God, I, I read it wrong. You want to have low life, just like Death Shadow. Um, so this kind of goes hand in hand with that Bolt Land. If you want to lose life off the Bolt Land, and then be able to bring this guy back later, yeah, I can see them both being played in the same. That's you know, what makes it black aggro. Yeah, I, I, that's, but that's what makes it hard for me because I mean, you mentioned you know the Bolt Land hurting yourself is important and if we look at like traditional death shadow in modern of course that's that's the whole point you want to go really low on your life total um and you could say the same about this but when you go low on your life total and you're at two life your opponent's at 18 it's counting your opponent instead and this is a two two for two without flying by the way this demon does not have flying i repeat this demon does not have flying i hate it I hate that it doesn't fly. They all have wings. You're right. They don't all have wings. But nine times out of ten, the demon the demon should have flying, and this one, I think, should definitely have flying. That would just um, make it... No, I, I, think, I think it's good without flying. We, we can have one demon without flying. Make it broken. I want a 2020 coming at someone with evasiveness. You want another black card that's broken. What do you mean another black card? Green's been the one that's been going on for the last year. If yeah. this was if this was uh, green and a blue, Adrian, I'd be inclined to agree with you. <laughs> but, but it's one and a black. 
it ain't quite the quite as busted. Um, yeah, really cool. I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about this one. It's uh, it's a cool card. Uh, yeah, I like it in aggro, um, especially with the bolt lands because you want yourself taking damage as well as putting damage on the enemy if you cast this guy. So uh, let's look at another uh, mythic. Uh, this one I think has one of the highest ceilings for you know being broken. And I I don't know how yet. I'm thinking it can go right into... party one, isn't it? <laughs> no, it, I I promise you, it's not anything to do with party. It's not a white card. It, it's uh, it's Morag, Morag, Morag. I think that's probably how I say it. Morag, Fury of Okum. Akum, dude, I love Minotaurs. Um, legendary creature, Minotaur Warrior is a six six four six four and two red. Each creature you control gets plus one, plus oh for each time it has attacked this turn, and it has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if it's your main phase, there's an additional combat phase after this one. At the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures you control. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is... This screams break me. Somehow. The, yeah. easy, the easiest thing to uh, compare it to is Combat Celebrant from uh, Amaket. Uh, but, and yeah, there's, a, there's an infinite loop with the exerting um, of that and kind of going back, like untap, exert, untap, exert, and keep doing that. Um, I think you could do something similar with the landfall on this. I just, this card just screams like it, it, can, it wins the game when it comes down. I don't right like show. red and landfall. I don't think red should ever have landfall. Oh, but we got it. We're looking at it. We're staring so, at it. I, so I see those italic, those that italic font. Uh, yeah, it's 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 landfall on a red card. This is going to be in a gruel deck, right? It has to be gruel because you want to be able to have some kind of ramp, some extra way to play more than one land a turn. Um, I just I don't know how. Um, and you know, this is a good segue to the other card I, um, I was talking about. Um, this card, ha- I feel like, has to go into a shell of a four-color Omnath deck, which goes into the new Omnath on Zendikar. Omnath now? Four-color Omnath? Hey, man, when next time we go to Zendikar, next time we see Omnath, maybe in a core set or something, he's having five colors. We're doing it. Oh, yeah, guess which color is missing? Black. <laughs> Oh, I thought uh, it was white. Never mind. I was making no, it. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we got to give white something. You get Omnath. That's what you get. You get Nahiri and Omnath. Well, I mean, we'll, there's actually a, a couple of white cards that seem... I mean, okay, we'll, we'll use quotations, heavy quotations on this to say they're white cards because they're in other guilds or like other color combinations. But Omnath, Locus of Creation... Four mana, a red, a green, a white, and a blue for a 4-4 legendary creature elemental. When Omnath Locus of Creature or Creations enters the battlefield, draw a card. Cool. Four mana, 4-4, four, four, draws a card, albeit, you know, strict mana cost. But then it has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain four life. If this is the first time this ability has uh has resolved this turn. Uh so 
You do you get one landfall trigger, you gain four life. Okay. If it's the second time, you can add red, green, white, and blue to your mana pool. If it's the third time, Omnath deals four damage to each opponent and each planeswalker you don't control. Dude, this is so cool. I want to make this deck. I don't care if it's bad. I'm okay, look. You play this and you play Lotus Cobra and you have a pretty decent uh curve, right? Um you can easily go to Lotus Cobra, play this on turn 3 and then probably you can go to Ugin on turn 4 with both of them on board. Um Yeah. Yeah, this seems cool. I like it. What does it tell you when they're making a card that encourages dropping three lands in a turn? That we have too much ramp? That we have too much ramp. I, uh, with playing Standard half the time and Pioneer, and just the how the last two or three months has been Ghost Spiral, Spiral Arrow, Cultivate. It's just really, we, we got one of these guys, huh? I'm trying to quickly skim through like some of the other cards in Zendikar to see if there's anything that seems to like really synergize with this as far as ramp. Um, there's Rolling Regrowth, two in a green, instant speed, sacrifice a land, search your library for up to two basic lands, put them onto the battlefield tapped in the shelter library. That immediately makes, you know, gives you four life and makes the four floating mana of the different colors. Um, you have to sack a land, but like, that's not. Not a bad trade. You get two for one. Um, they come into they come into the battlefield tapped. So I mean that kind of feels bad. Uh, let's see. Anything else? There's um, that's not really one. Um, again, Lotus Cobra I think is the best card to fit in this. Um, inscription of Abundance. This is another a part of another cycle. Um, all of the inscription cards. Uh, I guess we'll go into that next because I'm looking at it. Uh, one in a green, uh, instant speed with kicker, two in a green. Choose one. If the spell is kicked, choose any number instead. Put two plus one plus one counters on a target creature. Target player gains X life, where X is the greatest power among creatures they control. Target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. So that doesn't really do anything for the Zomnath deck. Um, I was hoping it had some kind of ramp built into it. Um, yeah, I don't see much else um there's uh there's ancient green warden it's another mythic uh four and two green a five seven elemental uh if you play lands from your graveyard or i'm sorry it has reach and you can play lands from your graveyard if a land entering the battlefield causes a oh oh adrian this is the one yep, if a yep. land entering the battlefield causes a trigger uh ability of a permanent you control to trigger that ability triggers a additional time so gain it's, eight it's life. Nomicon. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, gain eight life, make uh eight mana, uh wipe the board with eight damage across planeswalkers and creatures you don't control. Um you know? Scratch the Morog plan with with uh with Omnath for now. Let's think about four color elementals. You have Risen Reef, which is great. Um, it dodges Fatal Push. There's not, yeah. There's you got Risen Reef. You got it dodges Fatal Push. 
Um, sure, it can get shocked or wild slashed, but I mean, outside of Rakdos Pyromancer, that's not a card that's ran all that much at the moment. Um, you have the five mana elemental um, from M20, uh, the green one, the uh, Cavalier Thorns. That one helps you find, gives you an additional land drop uh, for your landfall triggers. Um, it fills your yard, uh, and then it, when it dies, it gets you a thing back. Always puts it on top of the library. That's a that's a five six. That's a good card. Um, it has reach, right? So just cool. Has reach. Um, oh, and then you can play the the turn timber symbiosis card in your land slot. Because um, you can just grab one of these giant elemental cards, like your ancient green warden, slap it down. Um, yeah, this feels like a deck that can get out of control, and snowball pretty hard yeah um, if you get there yeah and you play lotus cobra right you just gotta play lotus cobra seems really good um i can see uh azusa seeing a lot more play now yeah um there's that one there's the uh the one from theris beyond death the naked druid thing um that does the same thing there's wayward Swordtooth from uh ixalan block there's plenty of cards that let you, you know, play multiple lands per turn. So I think, I think four color elementals. I think, I mean, I mean, elementals by themselves are fringe playable at the moment in Pioneer. They're not really seeing any play, but I think it's, I played against it before, um, even in the combo era. That's that the deck can go off and do stuff. So I think, uh, I think there's a pretty good chance that. This Omnath and Lotus Cobra and then this goddamn another really powerful green card um, with Ancient Green Warden. Uh, yeah. Oh, and uh, oh, by the way, Ashaya, Soul of the Wild that we talked about last week, that, that's an elemental yeah. too. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> oh my god. Oh, no, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you have to play Ashaya, right? Because then all your other creatures are el- the, the elementals you're playing and the dorks and stuff, they're all forests and they all trigger your landfall, which triggers Omnath. Oh, oh god. Oh god. I am so excited to make this a deck. I don't care if it ends up being the worst deck I've ever played. Because it's going to be one of those that, like, when it goes off, it goes off and you feel so good. I don't care if I just went, like, one win out of my last 30 matches. I just wanted, I just wanted to go off. I want to do it. Well, I'm excited for that. Yeah, that seems cool. I got the mana base. I got I got the cards to do it. You just, I mean, you just pretty much play borderline no white lands, right? You play like maybe like a two of of Temple Garden. Um, you play your mana confluences. Uh, maybe a couple of the Boros ones, um, and then you just play your Stomping Grounds, Breeding Pools, and stuff. You lean heavy into the green. Uh, because you only just play the few white cards just so you can cast Omnath. Uh, but then Lotus Cobra helps you get there too. And you could probably play uh, some form of Nyssa. Yeah, seems fun. Seems cool. Definitely worth exploring. Um, trying to see if there's any, any, any cards that you've seen, Adrian, that pop out to you. Um, I mean, we can go into the other inscriptions, I guess, because we were just talking about those. We have the red inscription. Where'd it go? I just saw it. Oh god, I'm falling apart. Where the hell did it go? There's there's a red inscription, right? 
It's a cycle for all four. Did we not? Did they not release a red inscription yet? They had to have. I'm seriously not seeing it. Yeah, I'm not seeing it either. Because we have. Is there a white one? There's a there's a there's a blue and a black one. That'd be really weird if it's not a full five color cycle, right? Yeah, I'm not seeing one for white either. All right, well, me so, uh, Asia and I cannot find either of the white or red ones, which feels like they should have a full cycle. But I mean, here's the blue one: Inscription of Insight, three and a blue, four mana, sorcery, kicker of four, two and two blue. Choose one if the spell is kicked. Choose any number instead. Return up to two target creatures to your owner's hands. Scry two, then draw two cards. Target player creates an XX blue illusion creature token where X is the number of cards in their hand. Uh, seems good. Instant speed would be much better, but then it's why would you play Sublime Epiphany right over this, right? Um, if it was instant speed. Um, Ready. Yeah, I mean, if you have Teferi out, cool. This this seems like a cool one or two of, right? I mean, uh, it, worst case scenario, it's your four mana scry two, draw two. Your Glimmer of Genius. Um, like, if you're playing Glimmer of Genius, I mean, you can probably... You can probably cut those for this. Unless you really need it to be instant speed. And you don't want to bank on having Teferi to make it instant. And all the other stuff is pretty good too. Return up to two tar creatures in his hands. Yeah, that's good. Good against aggro, things like that. Um, and then make some bodies. So if you have a lot of cards in hand, uh, you got some good blockers or something to kind of go in on the attack. Seems good. Seems pretty good. Doesn't blow me away, but just seems like a solid card. Um, I know what I want to talk about. All right. I am so excited to make either Demir or Esper. Okay, Demir Rogues seems like it'll be an actual maybe tier deck, probably in the two or the three. But I am excited to make Esper Party. Oh God! <laughs> so so some of these cards look like they'll they be strong if they're. You know, if you cast them for the reduced cost for a party, like take the the mythic for example, the white mythic that we just kind of skipped over because it's the white bad mythic with party. Yeah, it yeah. costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. That could be a two drop four six if you have three of the party members already, and we're seeing a lot of the um. The type in black and blue already. We have wizard, but blue wizard, blue wizards, clerics and rogues are big in black, and uh, white could be your warriors. And and it's got kind of strong support, like squad commander. Um, make a one-one white core warrior for each creature in your party. Oh, I think that one's bad, but okay. If really? You, I think yeah, SWAT Commander's pretty bad. If you're not running it in party. Okay. I mean, but I imagine swinging four creatures 
all getting plus one plus oh and indestructible. I mean, I could imagine that with other cards too. Um, I don't know. I just like we talked about party about a me- as as a mechanic last week, and it just feels so weak. Like it's win more. You need to if you have four creatures of different types in the battlefield, um, you should probably be doing something with those already and be in a good spot to win. Um, and it makes for weird deck building restrictions. It's like, okay, do I run, if I run like 24 creatures, do I run eight of, um, or not even 24, you have to run like 32. Do I run eight of each kind of the, of the four tribes? Like, how do you do the split? You just run all the good ones. And if, if all the good ones happen to be just pretty much rogues and then a couple of warriors and like one wizard, uh, and then you're like, okay, I have no good, I have no good clerics, and I have to run a a, a bad card, like, uh, and not to say there's there's no good clerics in this set. There's actually one that I think is very good, but we all get to be excited about one bad card or one bad mechanic. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that that's more than fair. I think I'm excited about the party mechanic <laughs> to build around. In all reality, Demir Rogues is looking kind of fresh with our fl- the Flash Rogues that we got in the previous sets yeah. and the um, the support that we have for the Rogues already. There are a lot of Rogues coming out in the Demir Colors in this set. Yeah, I, I think Rogues can definitely be some kind of deck. Um, certainly, I think Rogues will 100% be a deck of some variety in Standard. Uh, Pioneer is a little bit harder. Um, Demir Rogues would be cool because you have uh, access to Glensleeve Siphoner, which is just a really cool card. Um, that's nice draw ability for a Demir deck. Um, you got the one from M21, the one drop. Uh, I'm blinking out of the name. Crap. The one that comes in and mills your Enforcer? Yes, Thieve Guild something. Enforcer might be it. Uh but yeah, the the one man the one that gets plussed when they have more cards in the library or whatever. Um So yeah, I th- I definitely think that they can be a deck. Um the the prevalence of cards like Uro and Croxa in both formats, standard and pioneer, makes me a little hesitant to how good they can be. Yeah, uh, there's Thieves Guild Enforcer, the one that mills the opponent two cards. If opponent has eight or more in their graveyard, Thieves Guild has plus two, plus one, and Death Touch. Yeah. Um, but whenever a rogue enters the battlefield, it triggers that mill. So, might not be the best in an Uro-dominated format. Because uh, you're few on their yard, and then when Uro escapes, you you lose the uh, the bonuses that all these enforcers, right. these, uh, these yeah. rogues get. Because a lot of them have some kind of text where it says if there's eight or more cards in the graveyard, it does a thing um like uh uh what was the what was the one that flashes in it was uh oh soaring thought thief one and uh so a, a blue and a black two mana one three human rogue flash and flying as long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard rogues you control get plus one plus oh whenever one or more rogues you control attack each opponent mills two cards so you know that's a good example. Eight more cards. 
does a nice little thing for rogues. Uh, also, Brazen Borrower is a rogue. Now I'm thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Let's see, there's some colorless stuff. Um, there's Lithoform Engine. This is just straight up an EDH card. This will not see constructed play, I think. Woo! Commander! I don't play it. Um, I have a Commander deck. Still don't play it. Um, oh, yeah, Adrian, I never told you. I, I did finish the Hapatra uh, Commander deck. I'm so, so happy for you. I, I, I haven't played it once. I finished building it, got all the Neg 1 stuff, and uh, I have not played with it once. And I built, I finished building it like three months ago. So, that's cool. Speaking of other colorless cards, though, Relic Golem! Three mana, 6-6. Six, six. Relic Golem cannot attack or block unless an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard. And then it just has Millstone slapped on it. Pay two, tap it, target player mills two cards. Cool. Um, Dodgers Fatal Push. It, at the end of the day, it's a three mana 6-6. Six, six. Uh, this does give me... What's uh, Vantress Gargoyle from Eldraine that has literally the exact same thing? The 5-5 five, five flyer, 5-4 five, flyer that can't attack unless opponent has whatever cards in their grave. Um, so maybe it's not... It's probably not good enough. I mean, that's it's definitely probably not good enough. But cool. You just, it's still a 6-6. Six, six. Might might get some games for you. Um, we got Forsaken Monument. Um, that one's pretty Ooh, cool. Yes. <laughs> uh, five mana, legendary artifact. It's a mythic. Colorless creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Whenever you tap a permanent for colorless mana, add an additional colorless mana. Whenever you cast a colorless spell, you gain two life. Uh, now, Adrian, I know you played a colorless deck in standard with uh, Crystal Giant, Crystalline Giant, whatever. Yes. Also um, known as Mecha Godzilla. Yes. Uh, so I know you're really interested in this kind of deck. Um, yeah, so I, I saw this card and I am so excited for it. Um, the colorless deck runs around Ginger Brute, Stone Coil Serpent. Um, I did use Ugin's Construct, which isn't going to be, that is rotating out because that was a War of the Spark card. Yeah. But essentially. You play the Ozolith, which all the counters on a dead creature go onto the Ozolith, and then at the beginning of combat, you put it onto another creature. So you would slap down a 4 4, um, you know, Stone Coil Serpent. It's got four plus one, plus one counters on it. It dies. Well, then you put those counters on an unblockable Ginger Brute, and he comes in at your opponent. And the other really cool thing about it was the Crystalline Giant, which is, by the way, my favorite card in, like, the past five or six sets. I just think it was so cool that just you basically roll a D12 and get, or a D8 or whatever, and get the corresponding uh, counter um, for a keyword ability. Um, I really liked that card. So I'm kind of a, a colorless guy in that sense, and then seeing Forsaken Monument, um, we just got Palladium Mirror. Mirror? Mirror, M-Y-R. Yeah, Mirror. Yeah, Mirror. Um, yeah. 
and he taps for two colorless. Which uh, you well, could also two, it's two um uh yeah, two colorless uh, so not gen- like specifically the colorless, not generic. Right, not generic, specifically colorless, which Forsaken Monument also says, Oh, he taps for three now. And he's also four four. And so even though this thing costs five you can ramp into it with Palladium Mirror if you're if you're looking for a spicy colorless deck, folks out there who who like spicy things, colorless is um, you can find a good engine with this, and also the um, six cost War of the Spark Ugin that discounts all colorless spells by two. Um, this looks really strong in that kind of rogue deck. So if you're playing. A colorless deck, yeah. Forsaken Monuments, the real deal. We also have a solemn, um, uh, with the sad robot, the four mana go get you a card, uh, go get you a land, and then when it dies, draw a card. Simulacrum, uh, yeah, simulacrum, simulacrum. Yeah, I'm not gonna try it again. Sad robot, <laughs> that's that's the nickname. His nickname is Sad Robot because he we also has Seagate Colossus. Um, colorless, seven costs, seven five. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. Shut up, shut up. Party, <laughs> party's not gonna work. I'm, I'm sitting there going, like, oh crap, is, is it one less for each colorless card you have or something? That that seems you know cool. No, no, it's it's the damn party mechanic. Shut up, it's not party. good. Party. Party's bad. I hate it, I hate it. Should have been the D&D set, but whatever. Um, I want to backtrack a little bit uh, over two things. Uh, first, the black uh, inscription card. Um, didn't get a chance to finish that cycle, I guess. Um, uh, if I, Maybe we're not getting a red and a, a white one. We thought we would have seen it today. Or maybe I'm just blind and I can't find him. Uh, inscription of Ruin. Two and a black, three mana. Uh, sorcery kicker two and two black choose one if this spell was kicked choose any number instead target opponent discards two cards return target creature card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield destroy target creature with converted mana cost three or less this feels like the best one out of the three um seven mana is a lot though man uh, to do all of these modes. That's a lot. So, feels like this one should have been. If this was one in a black, you know, six mana do everything. Or if it, like, if it was like the green one with three kicker and then one in a, one in a black. Uh, yeah, on paper, it's the best one, but kicker's so expensive. My thought was like maybe Rakdos Pyromancer plays it, but that's just that's so much. I don't know. Unrelated. I have what Planeswalker I want to see again. Okay. Oh yeah, we're back to that. Yeah, forgot about that. What'd you Hold got? On. Hold on, sorry. <laughs> you you built up the the suspense and the anticipation to be like, yeah, I remembered out of literally nowhere. We talked about that, like what? 20, 30 minutes ago. And then you don't have it ready for me. Come on. No, no, I got it. Okay. 
Uh, I'm gonna slap you. <laughs> oh, no. no, shut up. <laughs> no, um, first of all, I want to know who the wanderer is. Okay, or, yeah, that's fair. I want like the planeswalker that the wanderer is. I wanted to come back like so and so, comma revealed wanderer or something. Um, well, that's a mouthful, but yeah, sure. And um, and Doretti, the uh, the mono red planeswalker. He's a little goblin guy, but he works on artifacts. I was thinking about it because of artifacts, and then I forgot his name again. But... Oh, the the promo from like Kaladesh or whatever. Am I thinking of that right, or is that or is that a dwarf? There was a promo that like wasn't standard legal. Um, oh my god. Uh, don't say Kaladesh. he visited. Kaladesh. Yeah, I think it was a promo. Um, Goblin, Planeswalker. And, and trivia on his Wikipedia page had a Planeswalker card of more of the spark, but R&D ended up having too many red Planeswalkers to do them all. That's a little disappointing. Um, oh, yeah, here it is. Um, yeah, Duretti. It had, it, it was, it had a, uh, it was Rakdos. It was one, a black, and a red. Three mana Planeswalker. Yeah. Three loyalty. Uh, plus one, create a 1-1 one, one colorless construct artifact creature token with Defender. Minus one, you may sacrifice an artifact if you do destroy target artifact or creature. Minus six, choose target artifact card in graveyard or artifact card on the battlefield. Create three tokens that are copies of it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, and there was also one where he could be your commander. Doretti scraps Savant. Uh, discard up to two plus two. Discard up to two cards, then draw that many. Mm-hmm. Minus two. Sack an artifact if you do. Return a different artifact from the graveyard. And then minus ten. You get an emblem with basically an artifact recurs itself. Okay. Yeah. I'm. 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 About so yeah, Doretti off topic. Uh, but I thought about him because we were talking about artifacts, and I was like, oh, yeah, that artifact planeswalker guy. Little goblin. Yeah. No, that's fine. Um, I, I, yeah, I think that's cool. Um, I would definitely welcome seeing a planeswalker like that. I, I want to see... This is very dangerous. Like, this is a really dangerous thing to ask for. I want... Another two mana planeswalker. I just wanna or even give me a one mana planeswalker. I just wanna see what happens. Like I wanna see if they can do it. Can they make it balanced? Cause like you look at things like Ren and Six, really strong. Um Yeah, we talked about this last week, how the lower the cost, the harder the balance, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, one mana planeswalker would be kind of cool. Um, and no, dumbass Gideon from uh, Origins doesn't count. The flip one, because he's technically. I'm only going to say that he does. Okay. Well, well. I don't have a segue into this, uh, other than the fact that we talked about. I, I mentioned earlier that uh, you play just you know mostly rogues and like some warriors in your party. And then uh, you're like, okay, here's uh, here's like my one good wizard, and like I don't have any good clerics. 
there is a good cleric. Um, a really, really good cleric. No priest of oblivion. One in a black. Vampire cleric. The two one. Has kicker of four. Three in a black. Menace and lifelink. When no priest of oblivion enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. I think this is so good. This is such a good card. Um, it's on rate. You like this guy because he goes into dredge. I don't think you put this in dredge. That's a lot of mana for dredge. I mean, it's a cool. I mean, it doesn't have a, it doesn't have any built-in recursion for itself, so it can't. It doesn't fuel your graveyard, so I don't think it works for dredge. Um, but like its its body is fine. A two one for two. It's almost a grizzly. But then it has Menace and Lifelink, so it's a Grizzly Bear with Upside. Um, and then later game, when you can kick it, you just bring back your bigger threats. So early game, it's Menace and Lifelink. You can get in for some points of damage. Um, it's a vampire, Adrian. This for sure is going in Mono Black Vampires. Um, there's no way it doesn't. Because could you imagine kicking this, getting back a... Uh, What's the one? Champion vampire or the, the champion one from Mixalon? Yeah. And then you just you draw two, try to refill your hand. Um, pull back ahead of your opponent if you're in like that top deck war. Uh yeah, that this seems great. Uh, I'm really high on this card. I think this is a really good card. And uh I I I truly think it's one of the best cards in the set. <clears throat> and maybe not one of the best cards in the set. But certainly, probably my favorite card in the set. We got Cherix, the Raging Isle. Two, two and two blue. It's a four mana, legendary creature, Leviathan Crab. It's a zero, seventeen creature. Spells your opponent cast that target Cherix, the Raging Isle, cost two more to cast. So a little pseudo protection built in. That's that's kind. That, yeah, that's cool. And then it has three mana. Cherix gets plus X minus X until end of your turn, or end until end of turn actually, uh, where X is the number of islands you control. So it can get big. Um, so let's say you control five islands, or if, if you're playing mono blue, this is a. Uh, you drop this turn four, you have four islands. Next turn you make your land drop, you have five islands. You can pay three, and uh, it becomes a, a 5-12. Um, if you have six islands, you can pay three twice, and then it becomes a 12-5. Uh, a uh, so... I mean, I get the sense in that. But mm, I don't see him being played in mono blue because they usually like to keep their mana up. For well, the traditional mono blue deck, you're you're I hundred percent I agree. Right? Like, yeah, I think, he's a, I think it's a cool build around card. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what like to you, build around it? I have no idea. I mean, you just go with like a mono blue beatdown, like right? Like you go mono blue um, beatdown. Have those yeah. words ever been said together? Adrian, we have Tempest Gen that does the same thing, basically. But this is just a better Tempest Gen. 
Um, I think it's good. I think it's cool. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you swing in with this thing, and it's uh, it's it's a threat. Um, worst case scenario, it's it's a big booty. This thing's blocking for days. Uh, it's uh... oh, Adrian. You know what this goes in? Do you know what deck this goes in? What what does this go into? This goes into a high alert walls deck <laughs> with Arcades. Sure does. It's sure a seventeen does. power thing coming at you. Dude, yes. Oh my god. We're doing it. We're, we're playing a high alert walls deck. Uh you know what's funny? Uh, when I when I said earlier that I was playing mono black uh vampires a while back during the combo uh days of Pioneer, uh I was playing through Moto. Uh, two separate leagues I played in, I went up against a Hyler Arcades wall deck in a Pioneer League. And, uh, dude, the, the deck's so cool. I mean, you kill, you kill their, uh, uh, their, their enchantment. Um, you know, obviously you kill Hyler, feels pretty bad, or you kill Arcades, feels pretty bad. Um, and you know, I did, you know what, Adrian? I didn't have the ability to just, you know, snipe their enchantment because I was mono black, unfortunately, right? Um, but, not anymore. If I am playing mono black vampires and I have to go against uh, this some variation of, uh, of this walls deck that we're talking about, I don't have to worry about not having enchantment removal because we finally have enchantment removal in black. It's called Feed the Swarm, one in a black, sorcery speed, destroy target creature or enchantment and opponent controls. You lose life equal to the permanence converted mana cost. Are you as upset about this card as a lot of people are, Adrian? That it quote unquote breaks the color pie? I mean I don't see why black needs disen- disenchant on top of having it be a kill spell. It just seems yeah. pretty uh pretty good. It's main deckable. Um it's it's certainly not the best kill spell to main deck if you're in black. You have a, a, a plethora of better Sorcery options. Sorcery right? sucks. <laughs> uh i think it's uh that's good it's going in sideboards i don't have to run stupid farika's libation anymore in my sideboard to deal with like uh some kind like rest in peace or whatever if i'm in mono black aggro practice pyromancer i can run this card so yeah it's good it's good um it's uh it's kind of have a pretty big impact on the Pioneer meta, I feel like. Um, even for it being just a, a random common. So Now, speaking of impact on the Pioneer meta, I got another one. I think this one's going to have a pretty good impact as well. Skyclave Apparition. One and two white. It's a core spirit. It's a two-two. When Skyclave Apparition enters the battlefield, exile up to one target non-land, uh, non-token permanent you don't control with converted mana cost, four or less. When Skyclave Apparition leaves the battlefield, the exiled card's owner creates an XX Blue Illusion creature token where X is the converted mana cost of the exiled card. This is going to spirits, right? Like 100%? Like this is, a, this is great in spirits. It's a, it can just be a cyborg card. Um... Like, the Coco versions of Spirits, and even some of the Azorius builds, already run Deputy of Detention as a removal on a body of choice, because, you know, the Coco build can grab Deputy of Detention off the top uh, when you cast Collect a Company. 
So this just replaces deputy attention as a cyborg slot. Um, and you exile one of their things. And sure, deputy hits anything, any non-line permanent. It's not restricted to four or less. Um, but the fact that this is a spirit, albeit it doesn't have flying. Okay, Adrian, you might have had a point about not every demon has to have flying, but you cannot tell me that every spirit should not have flying. Uh, they float, Adrian. <laughs> they have flying. Yeah, maybe the apparition just goes through things. Well, then maybe it should have a shroud. It should have, it should have some kind of evasiveness, yeah. Bring back shroud. I don't know if we want that. <laughs> um, I just, Yeah, this I think this is going in spirits. It's super good. And then, like... Yeah, at the very least, the sideboard card, I think I agree with you. Yeah, in deputy detention... Um, you know, when they kill it, they just get back their thing, which is horrible when it's like a planeswalker and it's just like, okay, cool, I reset its loyalty. Um, it's a temporary solution. When this dies, they just get an XX token. So it's it can be a 4-4 four, four, or a 3-3 three, three, or whatever. That's equal to the converted mana cost. I give no no Fs about that. Don't care. Take it. Have a creature token. Because I made you burn your uh, burn your removal, my removal still stuck and got rid of your uh, your permanent at the end of the day, and all you got was just a dumb body that I don't care about. So, yeah, I think this is good. This is going into uh, going into spirits for sure. Um, I mean, outside of that, there's a bunch more cards here, uh, and there's certainly some really cool ones to talk about. Uh, but I don't think we want to make this be a, a seven-hour cast, just going over every spoiler. Um, so, unless there's anything, Adrian, you want to bring up as far as uh, spoiler, spoilers are concerned? Um, anything else besides uh, your uh, damn party mechanic? Um, I like that um, we were talking about last week how Mahiri kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, it looks like Warriors might be... A um, yeah, you know, a good archetype. Uh, we got some good warrior support in these in these spoilers. Uh, we have a warrior lord that's just straight up red and white, and then all other warriors get plus one plus one. It's three mana though. It's 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 uh, three mana total. Yeah. One oh, red right. and white. So it's not quite the two two uh, lord we're used to. Um, it's a three three for three. But um, it could be a thing. It, it's a little yeah. Nice. I can see Boris Winota actually being a um. This support for Winota because Winota's a warrior, and um, a lot of the warrior cards coming out are non-human, like Minotaurs and and um, stuff and you like that. And you have enough humans, uh, like the Lord included and stuff like that, to be like... Core. Uh, That's uh, the one I was yeah. thinking of. Yeah, cores. Um, and you can grab the human, like this one. Uh, and oh, again, Agent of Treachery is still legal in Pioneer. It can still be a target in in, uh, in Winota. Uh, and also we have Angress Marauders as the main finisher, though. So, well, I'm uh, just saying as, um, uh, you know, Standard or Pioneer... You okay. can just run warriors now, 
with Winota as like extra on top because she is a warrior. You know, we could have these, um, and you can run Nahiri and actually get some value out of her with Warrior Tribal. Winota just stuck on top. She's gonna go grab you a core or a Minotaur that is good. And um, I like that. I like that there's some some push for uh, the warrior that that looks like it's gonna be our straight up just turn sideways deck or archetype in the set. Yeah. Uh, I mean, remember, uh, Winota only grabs humans, so it won't be able to grab all of your warriors and stuff. It just it, it grabs humans. Uh, off of the top six. Um, oh yeah, when a non-creature attacks. So I was yes. I was getting them reversed. So yeah. um, when your cores or your minotaurs attack, she'll grab other humans for you. Yeah, um, which I mean, you know, in Pioneer, certainly uh, Agent of Treachery or Ingress Marauders are certainly the. Uh, go get my Hactos. That is the Mardu Winota and 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 uh, standard. Yeah, Hactos is cool. I'm sad it doesn't see more play. Um, but yeah. So I wanted to touch on that one mana trample haste. Red card. The bad what, one? We, what was that all about? It's horrible. Uh, it, yeah, Wayward Guide Beast, one mana, two, two, trample and haste. If it just said that... Red players around the world would rejoice and they'd be so happy. It's like, oh my god, we have a almost goblin guide or whatever. I mean, this would be better than goblin guide because it doesn't have like a downside sort of. Um, but no, it has this extra bit of text on it. Whenever Wayward Guide uh, Beast deals combat damage to a player, return a land you control to its owner's hand. So you play this turn one. You swing in, hit your opponent for two, they get down to 18, and you just slam your mountain right back up to your hand, and you're behind on mana for the next for the rest of the do game. You, do you see a home for this card anywhere? No. No, not in Pioneer. <laughs> okay. Um, they, okay, look. In other formats, there are ways to make this downside into something that can help you out, and it can. this will find a home somewhere, whether it's Modern or Legacy, probably more so looking at Legacy. Um and there, there'll be a way to make this card actually good in the deck. Uh, but no, in Pioneer, this is horrible. You don't play this. Um, it's a damn shame, though. It's a damn shame. I just love that that's a rare slot. Like, uh... Dude, if I open this in any of my packs, I'm going to burn the cards. <laughs> I'm burning all of them. I just, I just wanted to touch on that guy because I, don't, I really don't know what to think about him other than just <sighs> triple bad. It makes me sad. Um, that's that's what I think about him. It makes me real sad. It's a, you know, there, there's two rares. I'm looking. Look, let's see. Out of all the rares, um, there's a handful that I'm going to be sad to open. That's certainly one of them. Uh, Wayward Guide Beast, um, the Mammoth, the three mana three three Mammoth with uh, with the landfall. I think that's that's not good. Uh, that has the tap on the other side. Um, and uh, Arc Priest of Iona. And coveted prize. I want to open any of those. You know, actually, I'm gonna make it easy for you. Any of the party mechanic <laughs> cards in the rare slot or mythic slot, I don't want to see. I'm gonna be so pissed when I go in arena and I open like ten packs or whatever, and it's like, you like party? I hope you. I hope it's so pushed. I hope it gets a lot of support in the D and D set. 
That's the best mechanic. Dude, I would if we live in a world where party mechanic ends up being one of the best constructed mechanics in magic, yeah, I'm all for it. But I don't <laughs> see it happening. I, um, I, I I don't look forward to it. One rare card that I do want I did want to discuss, I actually texted this to you last week. Uh Cragplate Bayloth. Uh looks uh, like uh, where the hell is that? Uh the Carnage Tyrant. Oh, standard, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it is five and two green. Kicker, two and one green. This spell cannot be countered. Hexproof and haste. If it was kicked, it has four one one counters on it. Yeah. Um, six six. Standard play? Certainly. Um, New Carnage Tyrant for standard, basically. It costs one more, yeah. but. When you're looking for Carnage Tyrant, it you're at the point anyway where you can cast it, right? Right, I agree. Uh, it's just, does this have any argument to replace Carnage Tyrant in sideboards and standard? Um, you mean like fill that role, then not like literally replace him? Because obviously they can't play Carnage Tyrant. It's uh, it's not legal. No, I meant in Pioneer. I'm sorry. I'm oh, in Pioneer. Um, well, Carnage Tyrant sees virtually no play in Pioneer, um, which I touched on. I touched on earlier. Uh, I, I disagree with that. I think that's a good card. Um, and it should see a little bit of play. And um, so, yeah, in that regard, no, this will absolutely not see play in Pioneer. I don't think um, it's a seven mana six six with hexproof and haste. That's fine. Those stats are perfectly fine. The fact that it doesn't have trample makes you feel bad. Um, so this only has a place in coming in against control decks because it can't be countered and just... Which is exactly why I think it might see play. Like, imagine you're whittling down this control deck with your mono green or your gruel, and you get them to four life, but they turn the corner and they just have everything. They have the counters, they have the removal, and then your turn comes and you're just top decking, and then boom, you get this guy. And you slap him down for easy either a six six or a ten ten. Can't counter him, can't target him, and I'm coming at your face. So, you know, normally, Adrian, in those circumstances, I would be inclined to agree with you. But these are this this is why I I don't think it's gonna happen. You have cards, uh like like pretty much all the control decks in uh in Pioneer, um, run some number, whether it be one or two, of Castle Ardenvale. The fact that they can just spend extra mana at this point in the game, you're talking about there's a, an abundance of mana on the board for them. They're just going to make a one-one and block it, and it can't get through, and it's going to do it every single turn. Um, otherwise, there are cards like um, what's the one in a white one? The enchantment from Theros that goes and finds you uh, planes, and eventually it, it, the second uh, part of the saga, the wall it, maker. Yeah, it makes a wall. So then they can just they have, they'll have a wall or whatever um, as well. Uh, the uh, the Esper deck runs a one of Omen of the Sun. That's two one one humans that they that they can block with. Um, and this There's is the also biggest... Aether Gust that could wash this. Yes, Aether Gust hits it, so they can bring that in. Um, which if they see you're playing green, because um, again this is a cyborg card, uh, so they're siding two for game two and three. If you're playing green at all, they're probably bringing Aether Gust. So, 
And then the last thing is uh, Supreme Verdict or any sweeper. This this doesn't get around that at the end of the day. Um, right, but I'm, I'm just talking about the turn it lands. I mean, yeah. unless they have a three fairy that they plussed, which at that point you're probably, you probably lost the game if you have nothing on board. Yeah. I mean... I, I might try it in, in my sideboards. Um, at the very least, I might try it in standard. Yeah, I think standard it has a has a chance. I just think pioneer it's not quite good enough. Um, if I'm looking for a uh, a cyborg card to kind of come in against uh, control decks um, similar to this or a carnage tyrant, I'd probably look more at things like shifting ceratops before I look at these because shifting ceratops comes in much earlier on board, and uh, protection from blue is pretty nice. Um, Obviously, obviously, Aether Gust still hits it on the stack, but uh, Aether Gust is just a really good card. So, right. it, there's no easy answer to to this kind of sideboard slot. And the thing is, in Pioneer, I don't think there really is room for this type of sideboard slot like we've been accustomed to in the standards that you and I have played, Adrian. Um, there aren't really that many Carnage Tyrant spots and things like that to kind of just you bring this in to put the pressure on the uh, the opponent. Um, like if I go and look at, uh, let's see, what's a good example? <sighs> right now, there's not that many examples as far as like decks that could have this kind of slot um, because they're already doing enough main deck. Like Jun Sacrifice, Mono Red Aggro, Orzhov Auras, uh, Pyromancer making discard cards and stuff with like Croxa and all that, recur their threats. Mono Green Planeswalkers just wants to use their Wishboard, do their advantage with Karn. Then you have cards like, or decks like Naya Winota, that's already just trying to kill you as fast as possible. They don't need the extra help from the sideboard. Um, Lotus Combo is just trying to, you know, uh, Timmy you out. Um, Ensel Artifact, uh, Loris Burn, um, Spirits, uh, yeah. All, all these decks are, and like even Boros Feather, like these, all these decks are trying to already do this kind of thing and put the aggressiveness on the opponent main deck, and they already do a good enough job in the main deck to where I don't think they need that assistance, that extra little oomph from, uh, from that kind of slot in the sideboard. That's that's a fair argument. Um, because I mean I remember when when Pioneer first came around, I was making that I was having that like a one or two of slot in the sideboard, um. And you know what, actually, you know, Adrian, at the end of the day, one of the best cards that fills that slot in that sideboard goes into one deck and one deck only. Um, it's Wilderness, Wilderness Reclamation uh, or any kind of Flash variant. And that is going to be uh, the, the Wolf, um, Nightpack Ambusher. That is, that's the only card in Pioneer that exists to fill that kind of role of something that can overwhelm the opponent. Um, but it just does it in a different way. And considering that's the best option you have in that kind of role, um, shows you where Pioneer is as a format regarding that kind of cyborg slot. And then you have Elder Hargroth. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, Nightpack, Nightpack Ambusher is definitely uh, one of those that has to be answered right away. 100%. Um, let me actually double check. Well, 
I don't think there's really that much else to kind of go over. Like I said, we didn't want to make this a super long cast because there are a ton of cards to go over and plenty more rares and some more mythics that we can kind of talk about. Um, next week, uh, we'll have Alex back uh, along with Matt and we'll go over our top 10 cards for the Zendikar set looking at the Pioneer format, the biggest impacts they'll have on it. And uh, that should be fun. We'll go into a bit more detail talking about a lot of the cards and kind of figure out, you know, what's going to happen with Pioneer once this set drops. Uh, and uh, Adrian, you and I have a hockey game to finish watching because the Lightning are currently playing against the Islanders and it is 1-1 halfway through the second period. So we're at the halfway point. Yep. So we should go probably Bolts. go and watch that. Yeah, go Bolts. Uh, and uh, anything before uh, we head out you want to add, Adrian? I think we covered a lot. Pretty satisfied. Sounds good. Uh, like always, uh, we thank you for uh, for listening. We thank you for all the feedback and uh, you know talking talking with us over on the Discord server or on Reddit, um, things like that. And as always, you know, go look in the description again. Click that link. Join the uh, join the Discord server. Play some paper magic with all of us, and uh, hopefully um, we make some new friends along the way. Because of course. We are playing Magic the Gathering, and the best part about it is obviously the Gathering. So yeah, thanks again, guys, and uh, you have a good one. Yeah.